0: Ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. You're with Future Sense here on BayFM with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Thanks for joining us here on the radio broadcast. If you're listening live on air this morning, on Monday morning, the 13th of April, or possibly online on bayfm.org, or certainly our edited podcast, which comes out within. 24 hours of this broadcast, and you can access that through uh, futuresense.it or your normal platforms. And we're going to range into uh, current affairs and COVID-19 now and some
1: observations that we've uh, we've come across this week. Yeah, I thought we'd have a, a chat about the media. And in general, when we talk about this global value shift that's underway, the old systems that were designed by the old paradigm and their failure to cope with the complexity of of, uh, current life is a key aspect of the discussion. And, of course, we've been seeing gradually over many years now the slow failure of things like our political systems who no longer be presenting us with the best leaders that we might possibly have. In the moment, you know our economic system has been uh, periodically crashing for much of its life, really. But that's been getting; those crashes have been getting bigger and more impactful. And uh, of course, many have been predicting the big one anytime soon. And it's very interesting that uh, this whole economic reaction to COVID nineteen has been looking very much like a a deliberately chosen, controlled crash. And uh, and that, of course is shaping everything around what we're, uh, what we're doing internationally in relation to the, the virus. Um, just thinking about mainstream media in general, some of the issues that, that we face are, of course, sensationalism, and this is very much tied to the old economic system where our media needs to earn money from advertising and therefore wants to sound like the most interesting and the most urgent uh, every time they make an announcement so that you'll tune in and hear the ads at the same time so they can get paid.
0: not sure if uh, interesting, not that it's a very good word, interesting, although we use it all a lot. Whether interesting is actually the word that they're I think the glamour of uh, and the the you know uh, almost the fashion of uh, I, I showed you a picture before of, of people with masks you know yeah. they're doing these sort of uh, fashionable masks now like it's almost like we're we're beyond what's interesting we're in a in a space where what's you know new and glamorous and weird and uh, you know um, I'm, I can't find the word I'm looking for but you know what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: I think so. <laughs> I mean, it's, you, don't, you, don't you know, I, 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 don't get, know what I'm I you know it's it's tied into you know the basic motivators yeah. motivators around the old value system and and wanting to be the best, but you know to be at the top of the pile. Uh, to be the most attractive, to be the most, whatever
0: well we 're seeing you know some bizarre behavior in America, particularly reported a number of people are talking about that just weird things that people are doing out there uh, you know i don 't have an example in front of me, it just sort of occurred to me, but that sort of almost sort of the last gasp of the empire is, is, a, is a kind of
1: craziness, like Rome and the lead pipes it, it is I mean things are running to an extreme uh, in previous shows i 've used this analogy of a combustion engine that is nearing its end of life. And as the parts wear down, the friction within the engine uh, actually decreases because the parts are are wearing down. Uh, So there's a little bit more looseness in the engine, which means the parts can actually move faster. And so it's like the engine has a last blast. You know, it's it's at its highest level of performance just before it actually blows a seal completely Mm -hmm. and, and fails. And that same dynamic, I think, is very relevant to the industrial age. That the engine itself is uh, is is kind of running out of control and you know starting to scream, uh, and we're seeing all of these extreme things and and those things are a precursor to the failure of the system entirely, and um, and that's going to play out, of course, over the next sort of ten to fifteen years. And
0: all of that is very well reflected in mainstream media now. Well, I There's think it's so. just like yeah. a perfect mirror of the of the superficiality even of of current socio cultural life on the planet, especially now in our, in our um, supposed democracies
1: yeah and reporting itself, media reporting mm. seems to have become shallower, and uh, you know, so much of it is simply about repeating things from sourced from either media agencies uh, without actually looking into them or ch- checking to see if the information is, information is correct or for perhaps even investigating it further.
0: Well, we've seen the closing down in Australia, the AAP Reuters, which has provided a fairly independent news source for many outlets, and that's now closing down. So we're seeing a paucity of, of real uh, investigative journalism now on the planet generally Yeah, I think in
1: our media. that's that's been coming a long time, hasn't mm. it? And, of course, we've got the avalanche of information that comes to social media where everybody has a radio station these days, basically, and a, and a TV station, and uh, they can publish whatever they want. Uh, from whatever particular value system that they're, they're living by. And uh, and so we're getting full spectrum, you know. We're, we're getting uh, a lot, particularly at the moment, a lot of extreme conspiracy mm. theories coming out. And the, the conspiracy thing is very interesting because it's very much tied to the old paradigm's way of managing information and its way of seeking success. Uh, and... It's fair to say that to the old paradigm, I'm talking about the modern scientific scientific industrial paradigm, that information is knowledge, and knowledge provides power, and therefore, if you are seeking power, then it's advantageous for you to actually withhold knowledge and perhaps even distort knowledge mm. uh, to put other people off the track of success, right? Mm. And that's something that's built into the system, and, and we've seen that play out over many, many years. Uh, And of course, layer five, this modern paradigm, it also has a built-in tendency to want to break the rules because as we go through the whole spiral of human evolution, it's the communal systems where the moral structures are uh, formed. And that's because when we live together in community closely, we have to agree on what's okay and what's not okay. And when we break out of those communal value systems into the individual value systems, it's a, it's a kind of scramble to see what you can do without following the rules now, you know. and And, of course, science really, the whole scientific process came out of that mm. from the agricultural era where we had the sort of strict religious rule sets and then all of a sudden science came along and you, know, you can actually go out there and search for the information and find the truth yourself. So that's
0: all driven by frustration, isn't it, on an emotional yeah. level, that change. And you can imagine being locked down for yeah. 1,500 years, one way or the other living in that span of time that's and right. going like, I, we need to, I'm frustrated, I need to actually explore something here. We yeah. can make something better, we can do something more. Yeah. And we've seen the result of that, many wonderful results on the planet in the, the age of the Industrial Revolution.
1: And many new problems, of course, have been formed, which is how the system, how the model works. It's how evolution works, how evolution and, and it's, it's all a natural process. Like, there's no right or wrong here, and what we're seeing now is the flip side of that, where we've had the wildness and the breaking of rules and the exploration, the exploitation, and now that's running to an extreme, and people are saying, well, hang on a minute, we need a set of rules here. <laughs> we've got to come together and work together. So it's the whole thing just in, in reverse, and that's perfectly normal too. This is the way evolution works.
0: When you're talking about the media, it occurs to me too that there, there is just so much out there. As you're alluding to, we'll talk about a little bit about cons- conspiracy theories you're just about to. But I always remember years ago here in the local council elections in the nineties. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, where there was we were battling against the installation of Club Med. That French uh, organisation which bought some land, they wanted to create a a club med down on the beach and we protested and we we defeated it in the end but I always remember Councillor Rhonda Ellis, who was in council at that time who stood up and did a speech on that day, we presented a petition, but I handed the petition to the mayor at that time, 3,000 signatures and she stood up and said, you know the fringe is taking over the carpet, in other words, you know (laughs) (laughs) yes, you you might think we're crazies out here, but we are actually taking over, we're actually making the law here, and the other other part of that that people pointed out to me is that the fringe dwellers and the fringe information conspiracy theories that dwells on the outs on the outlying areas of uh, of conventional um, society is actually in some ways encouraged by the hegemony of the time because it makes it look uh, more solid and stable in the center when the fringe is made to seem really crazy and i think we're yeah. seeing a lot of that at the moment not to say that there isn't a lot of crazy stuff out there because there is and yet there's also pieces of truth which i think we're missing uh, clues that uh, that do exist in some of these ideas about what's actually happening that we sh- many of us should pay some attention to should is you know could pay attention to
1: yeah and it's fascinating to think about how the value system which has driven the modern era has really given birth to all of these problems, you know, and, and this, this is the way evolution works is a new value system comes along and it solves all the problems, you know, radically. And then so we start transitioning to and living by this new value system. And then over time, because of the growing complexity of the world and, and the growing complexity that we make as human beings by inventing new devices and, you know, connecting in different ways mean that we can't solve those problems as well anymore and so we have to go through this whole process again and we're just on the back end of you know the the problem producing uh era or the problem-producing time within well, the modern We're recognizing the, era. the problems now, aren't we? We're already actually we, we seeing are, the problems.
0: Yeah. And this COVID-19 crisis, I think, is really giving a, a strong relief for many people on the planet who've got that much time now to look at things, feel things in themselves, be with themselves or with a, a select few, and actually have to consider, is this
1: the world we want? Is this world working now? Yeah. And one of the beauties of the whole, you know, the perfection of the whole system is that it doesn't matter really... What the old paradigm tries to do now, everything they do, which is birthed by the old way of thinking, is going to basically drive the change, Mm. which is a really interesting uh, concept to ponder. Um, And with the layer five uh, value system, you know, I think in particular the way that it communicates uh, and manages information what what's often most important is actually what you're not hearing because it's very selective you know it wants to produce the best image so that it can be successful mm. and so there's always something that's not being said mm. and particularly at this time i think it's important to look for those things that aren't being said because yeah. some of them are terribly terribly obvious but they're still not being said
0: and some of them are suspicious enough to be given some uh, air some some weight in uh, in discussion
1: yeah and by definition, the, the old paradigm way of managing information means that it's managed, right? It's, just, it's not just passed on. It's not uh, displayed transparently. It is managed. It's massaged. And it's presented in a very careful way with an agenda. Or
0: it's removed from broadcast, as we've seen with a number of uh, pieces that uh, claim to be sort of outside of the parameters of YouTube or other platforms.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's that's a, a pandemic of its own yeah. at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, censorship on social media.
0: You talk to us about the the incidents uh, with London Real, for example.
1: Yeah. So, uh, London Real. If you're not familiar with it, it's a podcast run by a guy called Brian Rose, who's an American based in London, and I've only really cottoned onto it within the last couple of years, but uh, it's been around quite a while. I think it grew out of like a business coaching Yes, it's kind
0: very of. much a business coaching, you know, physical prowess, uh, intellectual business prowess, money-making and so forth. It's a very uh, sophisticated operation by the look of it uh, and uh, clearly has, I think, has something like 2 million views a month, something like that, quite a, quite a large number of views.
1: Yeah, I saw a, a video, uh, just a piece of camera that Brian Rose did just very recently, I uh, watched this morning, and he did say that London real was. Born also out of um, recognition that we weren't getting the full story from mainstream media, and that there was more to be said, you know, mm. more to be told. Well, good on
0: him. Um, but, but he's come up with some problems though, because he had a, did an interview just a few days ago with David Icke. Many of you would know he's a conspiracy theorist and quite a radical character. For been around for many, many years, talking about all sorts of pretty out there stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do we think about that?
1: Have yeah. You watched well, the video. I think you've got to bear in mind that. Brian's been going through his own personal transformation, yeah, which, that. which you know was he's gone from being a very very driven yeah. layer five kind of a character, you know may, maybe exiting layer five uh, because he was very much around sort of personal improvement as well. Yeah, uh, but then he's he's shifted noticeably in the last year or two, uh, heading towards layer six. He visited know. Peru. He, he did. He drank some ayahuasca in, uh, in I think it was in Costa Rica. Oh, Costa Rica. Yeah. yeah right. A- anyway. Um, What's happened is uh, that YouTube has censored and taken down his interview with David Icke. Mm. And I did watch, I think you watched the David Icke yeah, I watched it. piece as well. Um, you know, he's an interesting character. I've uh, I've always been very, very wary of him yeah, generally me too. because he's a bit all over the place. Um, but a
0: lot of that was coherent enough and worth
1: considering, wasn't it? It, it was the best mm. The best interview with David Icke yeah. I've seen. No mm-hmm. doubt about that. I certainly don't, uh, you know, I don't support everything Subscribed that he, said. To everything he says. Some, no, some of sure. it is still definitely yeah. uh, fringe opinion at best. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, however, a lot of what he said is fair commentary of the situation that we find ourselves in mm-hmm. at the tail end of the, mm-hmm. the scientific industrial era. Uh, the last
0: ditch attempt at control and manipulation of the population, and that this COVID nineteen and associated crisis at the moment are somehow part of that picture, whether uh, designed that way or made use of that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's certainly very clear to me that, and this is a, an inbuilt aspect of the value set from layer five, is it will exploit whatever it can. It will look for opportunity at everything. And so even in the face of a crisis, it will stop and think, how can I actually come out of this in front? You know. What, what can I put my money on or what can I invest in uh, what service can I provide in order to actually make money out of this it doesn't matter what it is whether it's a you know it's a crisis or, uh, or something else so that is that is the value set that's where it comes mm. from and uh, a lot of what Ike was saying is simply addressing that and recognizing that um, albeit presented in a, a quite a sinister uh, way for sure. But I, the, the main issue, that, as we're saying, is that uh, what, what's happened, according to Brian Rose, and this is uh, provided that what his or his perspective on it is accurate, he said that the BBC uh, made a request to YouTube to take down his interview with uh, David Icke. And then of course, it was subsequently censored, taken down. And yeah. he tried, to, he uploaded it again, they took it down again. And he also said that um, he was a front page story in BBC News. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I wonder what...
0: I mean, David Icke's a good example because he is out on a limb. A lot of what he says for many years is pretty out there. But uh, I do wonder what is, what is seen to be actually damaging in what he is saying in that video. Well, I can
1: give you one very right. concrete example, mm-hmm. uh, and that is uh, his talk about the, the uh, fears around 5G technology. Yeah. Yeah. And let me say first and foremost that, um, again, the, exploit- the exploitational aspect of the modern value set means that it doesn't matter what you're talking about, they'll look for opportunity within it. And so from a, mm-hmm. a defence point of view and an international conflict perspective, uh, any social system that can offer an advantage in a war will be taken advantage you know will be taken advantage of and we know for a fact that this has been prov- uh, reported so many times in the mainstream media that our old 4G telephone system has been used for targeting missiles yeah and also for tracking terrorists
0: and face recognition in china yeah, exactly. Mm.
1: So this is a fact. You can't dispute those no. things. You know, it's very, very well established. So a more sophisticated
0: system a a rolled out system across the planet is going to have much more potential for use and misuse.
1: Yeah, and if you think that 5G would be released without that old value system Exploiting every opportunity it provides to use it in a a military or social control uh, role, then you know you're just not thinking realistically. I mean, it's it's basically an aspect of the value system that is going to guarantee that it will look to do those things. Now, what that means in practice, I can't say. You know, there are many, many different things being. Asserted out there and claimed.
0: Well, yes. I mean, I think the 5G and coronavirus linkage is dubious, and I have heard uh, there's no. I haven't, can't find any reference to it directly, but I have heard that this may well be a uh, a marketing project of of the 5G 5G companies to conflate these two issues to make it seem like anybody who's objecting to 5G is a crazy. And that may well be exactly what's going on also, or or an aspect
1: of it. Yeah. Just getting back to your original uh, Mm. thing that that, uh, prompted my response, though, the one thing that has been happening in the UK is that there have been a few 5G towers which have been set on fire, right? And putting our kind of uh, very, very sensible mainstream hat on for a moment... Not the tinfoil hat this time, guys. It's really not a good idea to have people burning down phone towers because, you know, people rely on these sometimes for life and death issues to make a triple O call, for example, an Mm. emergency call, and call an ambulance and those sorts of things. The last thing you want is to find out that Mm. the local phone tower has been burnt down and you can't do that. So there are really, really, really good reasons for the government to want to stop the spread of those kinds of ideas. Mm. So that is Mm -hmm. one reason why... Mainstream might not want that David Icke thing going to air.
0: Those people burning down five G towers, for example. I mean, what, what a layer of, of consciousness, just as a little society, would would they be operating from? Because clearly they're probably imagining themselves as as green, uh, you know, um, green terrorists almost. But that's well, you know, uh, yeah, contrary to
1: it's a that's a contradiction in terms. Yeah. Um, it's most likely, I mean, it, it, really it's impossible to say for sure what value system they're operating from. I mean, it's, mm. it's certainly fair to say that they're under a lot of stress and they're, they're feeling highly motivated to uh, take it out on, on the towers. Mm. Um, it, you know, it's most likely coming from a value system that is driven to take uh, radical and perhaps ill-considered actions. Um yeah. You know, in which case that would be layer three, but it could also be coming from a very strategically organised and uh, complex and intentional plan, which could be from layer five, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> th- thinking about the way that layer five fights wars now, for mm-hmm. example, uh, and the you know the the acme, the pinnacle of war fighting today is to fight a war where people don't even recognise that you're fighting a war. Uh, and so you 're damaging your opponent you're winning uh, in you know various different measures, but there's no, no actually no war uh, been declared, and so the your opponent you know can't turn around and uh, fire a missile at you without looking like it's them who's starting the war and that's that's the way things work at the moment so it's complex and it's it's difficult and it 's a great challenge, but it's really important to understand that there are always different sides to the story yeah.
0: We'll take a short break here. We'll be back with the last part of the show here on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans on BayFM 99.9 or via futuresense.it and the podcast listening out there all around the world. Thanks for joining us. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge,
1: activate and spiral up. You're listening to Future Sense and we're talking about The impact of the media on our capacity to make sense of what's going on globally at the moment and also to make informed responses and act accordingly. And uh, we're just talking about the nature of the old value system, the scientific industrial value system, uh, which is uh, in decline at the moment, and how it likes to exploit things and uh, use them for personal advantage. And another example of that, which has just been reported in the media in the last couple of days, is that the companies Apple and Google mm. are building uh, tracking technology into both of their operating systems, so iOS and Android, for the purposes of being able to track who you've come into contact with and also to alert those same people should you suddenly come down with the virus.
0: The release of this in May, it's, very, it's, right, it's right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's very real and mm. and very now. And uh, I watched a, a small part of an interview with um, Edward Snowden yesterday, mm. where he was talking about this same tendency of the old paradigm to exploit whatever it can, whatever it can to advantage. And he just made the point that whenever in the past there's been some sort of global emergency or crisis, and there's been a promise of introducing legislation to deal with it or technology to deal with it almost without exception. those pieces of legislation and technology have never been wound back mm. once the the crisis or emergency yeah. subsides and uh, we we ought to be very aware of that and you know it's it really is uh, a, a difficult choice sometimes because there are pros and cons you know this is never a, a black and white. Uh, kind of a situation. I mean, look at China's response to COVID-19 in the early days where they used their surveillance technology to good advantage to fairly quickly deal with the outbreak. Uh, and as I said uh, earlier in the show, you know, it's not the technology or the system itself which has any moral nature. It's really the people who design it, the people who roll them out, the people who use them and control them. Mm. They're the ones with the morals mm. and they're the ones that we need to look very closely at and, and uh, sometimes question.
0: Indeed, I think that's exactly the point that we are on in this crisis and in this time of transformation and change is to look very carefully at just that. Who is using these technologies? Who is designing them? And how are they going to be implemented and who's in control of them. And those questions can be asked uh, are around a number of issues that are arising, uh, vaccinations and other ones. We might come to that today as well.
1: Yeah. And the, the paradigm shift trend is taking us towards decentralisation of power, which means empowerment of uh, individuals and local communities. And so if we're going to introduce any new system or any new technology now, we should make sure that it has free choice built into it. That people can opt in, or they can opt out, and that we can trust the people who are who are making the technology, uh, you know, to to tell us the truth about what the technology can do and how it's going to be used, um, because it, you know, and this ties back into the media stuff. I mean, the the whole modern era has been characterized to some extent about what's not being said what's not reported and those agendas that sit behind the scenes Mm. that's
0: another piece from mit news from the massachusetts institute of technology storing medical information below the skin's surface specialized dye delivered along with a vaccine could enable on-patient storage of vaccination history so this is a whole other area and again Uh, The implications for personal choice here, the implications of world health, the implications of technology that's implanted in you, and there are people who've already got these kind of chips uh, implanted. I saw a video of someone who actually has something implanted in his wrist. Yeah, I saw that too, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's a a whole rabbit hole right there uh, that we could easily do a whole show on. And it is a great concern, but again, it's to be expected. You know, these things are predictable when you understand the value systems that are driving them. Mm-hmm. And and the the wonderful thing about just talking about value systems is you don't really have to name names or organisations. We're just talking about a particular way of being human here, that's recognisable by uh, the way it it makes choices and the, and the things that motivate it basically. And so. Uh, You know, the the medical profession is clearly in an opportune position here with this global outbreak to quite possibly profit considerably Mm. from whatever kind of response happens. And uh, there's, you know, a bit of a a dissonance going on at the moment with the statistics showing us that in many countries now the the threat is subsiding, particularly here in Australia – where we've done, you know, relatively very well compared to many, many other countries. I mean, as of uh, the day of recording today, the 12th of April, we've got around about 6,300 cases out of a population of 24.6 million people and only 59 deaths, which is, you know, rather small compared to many, many other countries.
0: And that's 1%, which is a very small percentage too, of deaths of the registered uh, cases.
1: Yeah. Mm. Uh, And, of course, the... the, the growth, you know, the expression of this virus in, in different places around the world is staggered, and, and so some countries like the US, for example, is sort of just uh, probably still approaching their peak at the moment, yeah. and yet to go through it, and uh, and also the, their their um, you know casualty count is percentage wise higher than many other countries yes. at the moment too. But everywhere around the world, and we've been saying this uh, for for weeks now, everywhere around the world where there is an unusually high casualty count. Uh, attributed to COVID nineteen, there's been very specific reasons for that. You know, whether it's a, an elderly population, whether it's a health system that's not very well equipped to, to cope with going with what's going on, or, or other very specific reasons. But every time there has been a reason. And this is one of the things that typically has not been reported in the mainstream media. And you really need to ask why. Even our own ABC here in Australia, uh, in a, a story that I read in the last couple of days reporting about a high casualty count in New Orleans and interviewing an Australian doctor who's working there, there was no attempt to even explain why New Orleans might have a different experience than other places. You know, it was just all about warning Australia that you ought to really take notice of this and don't get complacent and, and, you know, be afraid, basically. So
0: it's interesting, isn't it, that simplification of the complexity that is being perpetrated by the news media, yeah. the conventional news media, is, is a is a real issue, isn't it? Because what we need to be doing is actually starting to look at that complexity and not just get the simple version of go, Oh, yeah, OK.
1: No, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, if I mean, it... it doesn't take long to do a bit of digging and find out that, okay, New Orleans has a very big African-American population, uh, you know, who are also generally, and this probably applies, you know, to much of the USA, uh, in uh, more difficult life conditions in terms of their socioeconomic uh, capacity and those sorts of things. And so that is, that that puts them in a high risk factor. So that goes part of the way, at least to explaining why there might be more casualties in New Orleans. Exactly. Why isn't the mainstream media doing this? And, you know, is it because course, they're, they're just ignorant and, and that the, the um, you know, the depletion of our mainstream media's investigative reporting capacity and and uh, maybe perhaps the automation of the editing process and those sorts of things probably added to that somewhat. But it, it also, given the the tendency of the old paradigm to obscure information, you know, it absolutely feeds into the conspiracy theory thinking, it really does.
0: Yeah. Uh, On that, there is a piece in Science News entitled Why African Americans May Be Especially Vulnerable to COVID-19, and it's particularly those socioeconomic factors, uh, underlying health conditions and the like, that make uh, different populations more or less susceptible to these kind of things. And it's an important nuance. It's it's something that should be factored into the way that we deal
1: with um, this crisis in any particular locality. Absolutely. And it should be shaping uh, our response right around the world. I mean, Having coming up with a plan and putting it in place and then walking away uh, makes no sense whatsoever. You know, plans need to be alive and dynamic and we should constantly be gathering all the relevant information and using that to shape the way that we address this pandemic and that has typically not been happening according to what's being reported in the media anyway i mean even here in australia uh, where we've been i think relatively successful in bringing this under control uh, we've still had a blanket response you know there's been lots of really good information out there about who is most vulnerable vulnerable within society we have good data on where these cases have come from, with the majority of the cases in the country coming from people who have come off cruise ships or travelling from overseas. And so why is it then that we've maintained a blanket, one-size-fits-all response? It really doesn't make a lot of sense, Uh, and it doesn't make a lot of sense if you choose to look at and report the impact of the economic disruption you know which is something again this is one of the things that's not being spoken about mm. and i'm talking about changes to mental health you know increases in domestic violence simple things like people's inability to obtain medications or medical treatment that they would normally be able to obtain when the lockdown wasn't in place and i mean even you fall into this category nick yeah uh, people who've had surgery delayed, you know, and, and the list goes on, but you know, this is all information where we don't have a casualty count, for example, of the increase in uh, suicide or domestic mm. violence deaths. You know?
0: Well, I've got a piece here, a couple of pieces from Scientific American and also from Reuters, and this is interesting statistics. In Europe and the United States, suicide rates rise about 1% for every one percentage point increase in unemployment, according to research published by lead author Aaron Reeves from Oxford University. And, of course, 16 million people have lost their jobs in America, probably more than that, but 16 million have gone on to unemployment benefits. So that's, a, that's a, rise, a big rise right there. During the last recession, when the unemployment in the United States peaked at 10%, the suicide rate jumped, resulting in 4,750 more deaths. If the unemployment rate increases to 20%, the toll could well rise. And the longer the suppression lasts, history shows the worse such outcomes will be. A surge of unemployment in 1982 cut the lifespans of Americans by a collective two to three million years, research is found. During the last recession from 2007 to 2009, the bleak job market helped spike suicide rates in the United States and Europe, claiming the lives of 10,000 more people than prior to the downturn. Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, the lives that are lost from the virus itself is one thing, but the lives that may and will be lost from the knock on effects, such as mental health, these sort of mental health issues, and many other things, uh, as you said, as you alluded to, also the. Uh, Inability to access normal supplies of medications or hospital uh, visits and so forth that uh, some people are experiencing. This article finishes talking about we should immediately establish mental health initiatives focusing on educating the public and healthcare workers on how to best deal with the immense pressure and anxiety. Uh, this may help minimize the psychosocial toll in these times of crisis. We should also implement targeted mental health surveillance of populations at risk. Uh, and so on. So it's pretty obvious, and I think a lot of these things are beginning to be looked at. But uh, you know, they're they sort of down the down the wish list at the moment. And uh, dealing with the the very large uh, health and, and uh, mental health and social social issues that are going to accrue from this.
1: Yeah, and we really need to be asking, you know, why why aren't we talking about this? Why aren't these things being reported in the media? Why aren't we counting these numbers? The fact that we're getting fed a very, very narrow story, which is very focused on COVID-19 and seems to be feeding fear uh, quite intentionally, um, that actually feeds into the whole conspiracy theory issue. And so it's likely to breed more conspiracy theories, more unrest. And as we said in the show uh, last week, Mm. the next big risk that we see globally is civil unrest because having people locked down and fed uh, a very, very narrow storyline is not sustainable. Mm. People will not put up with that for very long. And and for the emerging paradigm, you know, it's a very, very peaceful way of being human. The most likely thing that we're we're going to see from the emerging paradigm is some kind of peaceful civil disobedience. Is simply, people simply deciding en masse mm. not to follow the rules, you know, not to go out there and, and burn or destroy mm. anything, but just simply to stop following the rules.
0: Which we've really seen in the last few years that the new movements such as Extinction Rebellion, the Yellow Vests, and others that have generally been, other than a few sort of uh, people who sort of incite things, have uh, yeah. been generally peaceful. But that, that idea of a peaceful. Protest in a different way than ever has been before is is in the zeitgeist now.
1: Absolutely, it is, and it's quite it's quite likely that we're going to see more of it. Um, Before we wrap up the show, Nick, I'd just like to mention that New Zealand, in particular, Mm. is making plans to come out of lockdown. I have a media story published by the New Zealand Herald today, twelfth of April. Headlined, COVID-19, coronavirus, schools could resume from April 29 if lockdown lifted. And I'm just going to read from the story. Schools are being advised they could reopen to some students by April 29 if the lockdown is lifted on April 20. New Zealand Education Minister Chris Hipkins said this morning he wanted to keep expectations reasonable and stressed the decision would be based on public health advice. After the lockdown was lifted and New Zealand went back to level three, it would take some time for schools to prepare for children to come back. And as an aside, I think that's a, a very important consideration, mm. is mm. that uh, having shut down much of society, there will be a ramp-up time required You know, for mm. things to return to normal once again, uh, particularly in things like supply chains that could be running over long distances. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's going to be complex to actually... Uh, Unroll what's been rolled up. Absolutely. So
1: and, and the longer that the lockdown stays in place, the more complex and difficult it will be to ramp it up again. You know, I'm thinking also of the airline industry, where Virgin Australia uh, a couple of days ago announced that they were getting pretty much going to stop uh, domestic flights within Australia, apart from a few flights from uh, Melbourne and Sydney. Um, and, you know, when you've got a complex industry like aviation and you shut it down for a period of time, there are all sorts of implications in terms of uh, pilot skills and uh, aircraft maintenance and those sorts of things which come into play, which make it, you know, not so easy to start up again. So this is a, a real key consideration and it's, it's part of the reason why I, I've been saying uh, for a while now that uh, this really has a limited uh, used by date, this this you know uh, lockdown. It's not going to be sustainable. It's just going to cause much much bigger problems if yeah. it keeps going on and on and on. Um, We've seen
0: th- an incredible uh, decrease in crime rates around the world too. To sort of throw that in, as you may have uh, heard or read out there, folks. Um, most of the major cities and countries in the world have reported incredible drops in crime levels across the board in society, and, I, and it obviously makes sense. And uh, I guess if people are stealing things, they're not going to be able to. Uh, Sell them off either.
1: I won't I, do anything really. I know, I know. Yeah, there's, there's definitely uh, a whole range of upsides as well as downsides, That's for sure, mm. uh, which fits with the you know the total yes. big picture global shift of. Some stuff collapsing and other stuff. And it's
0: really important, as we said in the beginning, in this new paradigm that we're entering, that it is a a complexified uh, region of being that we're entering, and there, there are negatives and there are positives to everything, and it's good to be able to consider as many of them as we can to find out what to steer a path to actually what works to solve the problems that we need to address now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just bear in mind that all of the people and in the institutions associated with the old paradigm, they really want to hang on to the old. So they're going to go out of their way now and things are going to get more extreme, you know, in their attempts to to do that. Uh, and uh, the opportunity is there, though. The window is open for this new paradigm to stand up and for people to start making choices, organising themselves and acting from these new value sets.
0: Mm. Many people who are familiar with literature would probably know Albert Camus' book, The Plague. Uh, and in The Plague, uh, Camus questions, through his main character, physician Bernard Roux, whether in the aftermath of such uh, suffering, humanity can find a peace of mind. And offering a glimpse of hope, Camus concludes that we can, as, quote, if there is one thing one can always yearn for and sometimes attain, It is human love.
1: Absolutely. Beautiful thought, Dick. Perhaps a good one to end on this week.
0: I think so. Lovely. Thanks for joining us here on Future Sense. Steve McDonald, Nick Jean signing out, uh, and we will be with you next week. And as I've been saying, of course, the podcast available in the next 24 hours ago, also from, uh, from the broadcast as you're hearing it now. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.